Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine Saint Clair. All aboard! Oh, now it's started. <laughs> oh, now it's official. Okay, we're now starting right now. But you know, it's it's basically like no holds barred. You could do whatever you want, say whatever you want to, and talk about whatever you want to. But I didn't really look up very much about you because I don't like doing that because it ruins it. There's like so much fake shit out there. I'm the same way. It's like I don't want to do home. Like if you meet somebody in the real world, like do you do homework on them before you meet them? Like it sort of sets up this thing. And then and then I don't want to get like enchanted by your bio or something because I just want to be myself around you. You know what I mean? I just want to know who you are. You know, get to know you in a in an organic way, sort of. Not that there's anything wrong with knowing something about somebody before you meet them, but you know, I I find that I operate a little better the least I know about somebody, if that makes any sense. Well, until you get to like their house and you go into their bathroom and you see their like medicine chest and you see like twenty different antipsychotic meds, then maybe you wish you learned something. You know, <laughs> one of those things. Now, are you from New York originally, or are you from Texas? No. I'm from Houston, Texas. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Houston, Texas. Yeah. So I saw that you won an award there in like 2008 or 11. I did my yeah, like a year into doing comedy, a little over a year, I won the uh, Houston's Funniest Person contest. So the first year I made it to the finals, and the second year I um I I won I took away the the the, the trophy. So that was really cool. I was like, all right, cool. The second I won that, I I quit my day job and you know started doing it started doing it that was what it. was your day job were you a stripper or something <laughs> no i uh no i would have been really good at that though I, I did love karaoke um i was a uh i made car commercials late at night so i was like sort of like you know getting the audio footage of the you know come on down to honda and and uh what's the name of this san luis obispo california like you know what i mean like those sort of voices and then just i would take it's had this wall of b-roll footage of cars and i would put the graphics and make them explode on the screen and big words and everything like that and you know it was it was uh it wasn't the worst day job for sure but i was doing comedy at night so i really enjoyed that and i was excited to jump into that full force and stop going to college and everything and that's all i started doing so Sounds like way more fun doing that. How many years did it actually take you to quit your night job? I should say, because that's really what it was, right? Well, I was I was smart and dumb about it. So what I did was mm-hmm. I started working at the comedy club. I was like, well, if I'm just around it all the time, if everything's ten thousand hours, then I'll just be around it all the time. And I think that should make it pretty easy to get on stage and stuff like that, you know. So. It was pretty cool, you know, and then doing that contest, the club that I worked at was like, you're going to have them book you before us. Hell no. And so my first weekend there, I got to open for Joe Coy, which was really cool. And oh. he was super nice. Yeah. And then a few years later, he took me on the road with him. I got to go on his world tour and everything. So that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. I'm sure. jealous. It must be fun. Like, I just have a one woman show. It's not comedy. Like, maybe there are elements of it that are comedic. But that's my dream, just to go on the road and live like a gypsy for years and years <laughs> with my cat in like a really cool Airstream and just do my show. 
Well, not necessarily in the airstream shit, but like, I don't know, just do the show because it's fun. It's it's really, really fun. I felt fortunate because, you know, Joe Coy had like a tour bus and he was like flying me everywhere. So it was definitely not gypsy ish about it. He loved to eat as much as I did. So it's always fun when you find, you know, somebody to go on the road with that you share a lot of similarities with. And he loved food as, as much as I do. So that was really cool. So, yeah. And then and then going place with him, he was like. He was already he's already pretty huge. So, you know, like going to Hawaii with Joe Coy, I was telling people it's like going to Toontown with Roger Rabbit, you know, going <laughs> to the Philippines with him was, you know, you're just in in somebody's entourage and everybody treats you like family. And it was wild. But, but yeah. did you ever watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? I didn't. I hear a lot of good things about that show, though. Is it's it a great show. Yeah, it is. Like I watched it. Normally, I don't watch too many things like about comedy because it's so many uh, misconceptions. Right. And um, like you make a shit ton of money from it, whatever. But it was a great show. Like the third season was amazing. It reminds me of your whole trip or your tour with Joe McCoy. It's just hers ended a little differently. Did you ever get kicked off of a tour? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> she got kicked off in the in the show. Wow. I was she was doing some very naughty things, I think. What do you think the biggest misconception is about comedy? And I just I noticed this thing like. I go to West Side Comedy to see shows sometimes when I'm in mm-hmm. California. And it's just you get all these girls coming out doing these stupid rape jokes. It's like I highly doubt anyone raped you because you're pretty like you're just gross and you're standing up there telling us rape jokes. Is it for attention or you want sympathy or some shit? Then you get like guys with their dick jokes and they're usually like not that great looking and they're tiny or really tall and odd looking. So yeah, two questions. What are the biggest <laughs> misconceptions about doing comedy is question number one. And why do people do that shit? Okay. Well, why do people? I think <laughs> that's a good, that's a, that's a lot of question right there for that question. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, maybe, maybe the way, you know, not to have an excuse for why anybody's talking about what they're talking about, but, you know, if they're like, maybe if they're in open mic world or something, they're trying to make other comics laugh, but that's sort of a weird that's a weird entity to try to entertain all the time. You know what I mean? Talking to regular people that are on dates is a different, is a totally different vibe. Um, it, what was the other part of the question? I forgot what the rest of it was. Um, yeah. Wh- okay. So which question, Oh, what the biggest misconception is about doing comedy on stage and then why people do stupid jokes like that. So we said they're either attention horrors or they're just inexperienced. It's amateur. I mean, all that, all the, every, every here's the, the crazy thing about comedy in general is, everything is true like every single it's it could be some of that it could be some of something else like it's the possibilities are endless for why somebody's doing it and i think it's not that much different than karaoke like some people like karaoke like i came in from karaoke world and i was like you know i started doing karaoke and i would pick songs with long uh guitar solos and i'd be like okay i'm just gonna start talking in that guitar solo and then they're like save that for an open mic i'm like what's an open mic you know so that's sort of how i uh came into it i just loved you know karaoke stuff and stuff like that so you know people can bring their everything into it it's not a difficult thing i think anybody could do it now can anybody be good at it Eh, that's another story you know what i mean if you buy a surfboard you take a picture you're a surfer, but there's no, you know, there's, it's, you know, there's not like a, a degree you have to get to be a surfer. It's like in your heart, if you feel like you're a surfer, you're a surfer and comedy's biggest flaw is if you feel like you're a comic, then you're a comic and you're, you know, 
in your heart, you know, so you can, you can say that and, and you can believe it, you know, you, you know. can, you can, it's fine. You have carte blanche for that. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And you're actually going to open up my show for me on the 16th. So I heard you have a way of getting people worked up in the audience, almost like, okay. So let's say you are a psychotic right-wing nut job, like Mike Lindell. Okay. Mr. Pillow, the, my pillow guy. The, the, my pillow guy, I right, right, right. They got the mustache, that, right? and his towels are like the best. And it has nothing <laughs> to do anything except they absorb well, and like they um they absorb well, and they are very uh soft. Like seriously, is he, is he the sponsor for the show? Is not my pillow? No, 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 no. no. They're, I really like his towels. People think I'm crazy, but <laughs> it's just the towels. I was buying them for the longest time. Um, but so he knows how to work people up. Like I went to one of his live cyber symposium ordeals just to see what it was. Right. Just to smell like, uh, I don't know, the pizza and whatever. I just went because I was curious because I like doing things like that. Um, right. So, but he knows how to work people up, you know, but he's he, a hype man. He's a hype man. Does he hype uh, them up about his products or no, like himself? Just like, like, whatever he sells, but he's also like an ex crack addict. So were you like, what is your art to working people up? Like his is being an ex crack addict. I don't think you're a crack addict. So <laughs> I'm just genuinely, a lot of times I'm just genuinely excited to, to do it. You know, I think the pandemic broke a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And it made me realize sort of how much, you know, like what if every time I went up, I tried to have fun, you know, and I think people are empathetic characters. It's like acting how much, of Hugh Jackman doing his thing is him being a good actor and how much of it is us like imprinting ourselves onto him. And that's a skill that he has, you know? So people genuinely love watching somebody having fun with what they're doing. You know, I don't like looking at somebody who doesn't want to be looked at or, you know, violence that isn't uh, fun. You know what I mean? Like if it's not in the purpose of comedy or action and it's like purposeful violence, I don't like watching stuff like that, you know? So um, but if it's fun and it's, and it's to tell a story, I'm all about it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, people like watching somebody having fun and they can tell that I really want to be there, you know? So, so it's, it's not that hard to get them into it. Cause like, I'm trying to get them into it because I want to be into this. And for me to get into this, you have to be into this. So I, I may, I never really thought about what I'm thinking when I'm doing it, but I think that's probably what it boils down to is. It's a great formula. If you want, if you want, if you want me to have fun, you have to be having fun too if that makes sense i don't know i yeah i guess i think like when you have the curtain jerkers at some of these shows so i've been to the comedy store a million times and i like going there but i gotta Mm -hmm. say like the belly room has got to be the most depressing thing i've seen you see like every little chuckle fucker getting up on stage and like trying to do comedy i also call them moths it's like model actress whatever or model actress wannabe because mm-hmm. they think it's so trendy to be like a female comedian and like hollywood it's gonna be so cool it's just bullshit but uh then you have like people putting their names into a hat to like get up there on stage right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're really and that's hope some of them right did you ever have to go through that and did you ever feel like giving up hope on it oh yeah no it's huge huge uh I love the bucket list because it felt like it was fair. Otherwise you had to like network and stuff. And I wasn't the best at networking and stuff. So at least with the bucket list, you, it it felt like there was some sort of fairness there, even though some, some people cheat to go up there or whatever. But, um, you know, the important thing to maintain sanity is to have something to do before the show or hang with friends, even calling a friend, you know, you have to have sanity 
because you can't you can't watch an entire one like it's hard like I, my heart goes out to anybody that can watch an entire bucket list mic or something like that that just seems like a lot to sit through you know so you gotta you gotta maintain your sanity but i think the same thing goes with any sort of job like any sort of work or anything like that it just sort of becomes the grind and you just kind of accept it you know what i mean so it's like all right well i'm going up last i have three hours to kill i'm gonna leave and come back you know what i mean so you just figure out things to make it so you're not going crazy um in that situation because it is a crazy it is a crazy thing and that's sort of what's cool about it is it's it's always comedy clubs in general it is a circus that's just in one spot the whole time and multiple circuits circus sigh how do you pluralize circus circuses multiple circi come through <laughs> and you know do do their thing so i think that's pretty cool yeah yeah it's interesting i just think it's a different um breed in hollywood because it's just everyone trying to find something whatever the new coolest trend is whether it's being like finger banged by a fucking clown or like, um, <laughs> dude, I don't know. I have no clue. Whatever, whatever the girl said, but yeah. Uh, or being, a I feel like you could create a trend. That's like a thing people do, right? Like you can create like, you know, by a clown? finger banged by a clown, you know, you can, you know, there's videos, people just smoking cigarettes and it's on the porno sites or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can start your own, you know, whatever you think you just, I think if you pretend there's a kink about something, you can make that a kink about something. People will believe it. There's somebody out there that will buy it and it will have fans or people just looking at it to make fun of it. Like, can you believe some people are turned on by this clown shit or whatever? Like I've never been a clown guy. I don't even like something about clowns that rub me the wrong way. You know what I mean? I just, I just <laughs> the, the thought of their makeup getting on me, yeah, it's just so weird, you know? It's really creepy stuff actually. You know, when you think about clowns and whatever happened to people during their childhood, uh, who would you say was one of your inspirations growing up? One of my inspirations. Wow. Okay, I, I think three. three inspirations. That's a that's a rough one. Um, well, not really. I, I, I was a kid that was very much raised in front of the TV. So anything that was on TV from 1982, which is when I was born to <laughs> throughout my childhood, I just I loved cartoons probably the most. I was a huge cartoon guy and anything that was like a cartoon. I loved, you know what I mean? Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck you know, all that stuff. I remember, you know, when I was 12, it was the perfect time for Ace Ventura Pet Detective to come out in my life. So that was like, I was like, you could do that for a living? Are you fucking serious? Like, that's crazy, you know? I remember that. Martin Lawrence, You So Crazy was probably the first comedy special that I watched again and again and again and again and again with my family. Uh, the movie Friday was great. I love that. Dumb and Dumber, you know, just all the all the hits that that probably people enjoyed i like i remember when clerks came out i was in middle school and that's when you really start cussing and i'm like this is awesome like you know the kevin smith clerks movie so yeah i was i was a kid that was raised in a movie theater so i'd probably say movies number one any sort of movie you know like my mom would drop me off at the movie theater i would page her to pick me up so it was great i would just watch three movies on a clip skip around the movie theaters didn't care in texas you know everybody was doing it so it was cool. It was cool. You know, you, you, every movie theater felt like a theme park. What's up? A pager? A pager. Yeah, I used to page my mom two, two, two. That meant pick me up. I'm ready to get picked up from the movie theater because I would just go there early, like at 10 o'clock for the first show. And I would just leave late. And I remember watching three movies at a time, you know, two or three. Always, always. Never just one movie. It was always a two movie situation. Did you ever sure. sneak into like an R-rated film like The Shining or something? And then yes. And went running out. 
100%. I was I I didn't embrace horror movies until I think I was 12 years old or something. I used to have nightmares as a kid, but when I saw the movie Army of Darkness with Bruce Campbell, that changed me and I was like, "Wait, this horror is fun." Like something about it, like I saw how fun it was and I was like, "All right, I can't wait to have a nightmare now. I'm going to kick these demons asses." And that's what I did and and I really haven't been much of a nightmare guy ever since. I've been you know, when, when you're bombarded with nightmares for your childhood, uh, as an adult, you can sort of recognize when a nightmare is happening. So I kind of I, I'm one of those people I usually know when I'm dreaming, like, you know, there's clues in there. I'll figure out like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm dreaming right now. OK, well, I guess I'm going to fly around now and do fun <laughs> stuff, you know, so. That's cool. Well, do you have nightmares? Does that happen to you? What What's up? Do you no, ever recognize I to Reese? Um, <clears throat> I, my mom dropped us off at the theater to see Greece, you're like, I don't know, like nine or like nine or 10. Mm-hmm. We went in, <laughs> we went in to see, we snuck in to see the shining. Wow. And there's that scene where there's all the blood coming out of the elevator. We went running out in the street and my, it was like a shopping area. My mom saw us and she knew what we did. <laughs> so you didn't even watch Greece, the Greece you saw. I did blood. before I saw it a million times. Like I got obsessed with movies. And I'll watch like something I really like a million times. Like I've seen the movie Tootsie at least like over a hundred times. <clears throat> you ask me wow. any part of that movie. I know every line. I know every setting. I know every part of Tootsie. It's a really good movie. Wow. Wow. No, I don't know. I don't have, uh, I don't really get nightmares or anything like that. I mean, I just, I try to avoid them. Uh, <laughs> like Freddy Krueger or something like that. Cause yeah. Cause that's the whole thing. I mean, uh, I guess I watch too much nightmare on Elm street, but I don't really like haunted houses. I mean, I do. And I don't. <laughs> do you dream in the third person or is it first person? Does it, does it hop perspectives? Do you think like, do you see yeah, yourself? I think so. You know, I mean, I think the last time I went to like a haunted mansion, nothing happened. Like I punched out the guy and then I can't, I wasn't allowed back in. I was in Florida somewhere. Um, <clears throat> well, they, he scared me. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't touch people's hair. You don't touch them in the fucking. That's what it says. You're not supposed to touch people. But I guess how else are they supposed to scare you? You know, right? And then, like years later, you fast forward to like <clears throat> five, six years ago. I went into um something called what was it called? Blackout haunted okay. house. You have to sign a waiver before you go in. Mm-hmm. It's really scary. Like I was getting waterboarded and stuff, but it wasn't too bad. I mean, waterboarded yeah. in the haunt that's torture what are you talking about they, they you pay for the torture that oh, that's yeah. crazy no it doesn't make me like well yeah it was okay i mean like nothing really bad happened um i just say it, it just screwed up my hair because i had my hair shampooed like earlier that day like the shampoo <laughs> i'm like geez that was a waste of 40 bucks but yeah i mean i've always thought comedy was interesting did you i and being an improv, like I went to improv classes at Second City. So we'd have a drop in where people from other schools come in and check out the classes. But you could oh. always tell who the stand ups were, <clears throat> like the shitty stand ups, because they had no clue how like an improv worked. We asked one guy or the teacher said, hey, let's get a relationship. And this guy in the, uh, who was there for the class, uh, white supremacists were like, uh, that's not really a relationship. <laughs> I know. Did you ever take improv classes? You're trying to be edgy. I took one class. I took a little bit of one class. I didn't get to finish it, but I I, I took a a Miles Stroth class in um in L.A. and my 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 hours on my job switched, so I started working days at the Hollywood Improv, so I couldn't 
I couldn't complete the class, but it was really fun because it was a, it was a class where the people that were in the class had like graduated already from like UCB and and Second City and all oh, these shit. others the groundlings. So I was very much the only guy in there who had never taken <laughs> a lick of improv before. So it felt good to be like in my head the most inexperienced person in there because I felt like it was like training with weights on, you know? Like I was like, okay, I, that should make me better at the end of this you know so yeah i didn't even know that they offered classes there i've done like all the programs it's sort of like a cult almost like each one is a different cult and it all comes back to like one cult leader but people taking these classes don't know who like the grandfather is of improv that it was del close and he had these really cool glasses as well (laughs) someone once said most failed comedians are cult leaders Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, no, for sure. Because you could probably the, do it. What? Why? I don't oh, know. There's you just said something. I said. Oh, I. You know. Well, I. I. You know, when when I was a kid, I went to like a bunch of different churches, so that's probably where it, some of it has to stem from. That you know, I'm just used to sitting in the crowd and watching these people on the microphone talking. Like I could do that. You know what I mean? Like it just it just sort of felt like that. But also it's you know, some people are likable and you want to follow what they have to say. And, you know, the illusion of somebody talking from their heart is very endearing, you know, and people want to connect to something or anything or whatever, you know? And that's funny that you say that, like, even like improv class, when you think about it, yeah, like a lot of them, each one is almost like a different karate school or something. And there's different styles that you can pick up from each one, I would imagine, you know, so... I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess if that's the way you want to look at it. I just think doing improv over Zoom was like the weirdest thing. There's like You did improv over Zoom? Well, I went to um I graduated the Second City Conservatory, like the whole grad review. I graduated UCB. Then I started groundlings, right? So I was up to intermediate. I don't want to take the last class on Zoom because like an intermediate, you do more scene work. And I'm in the scene with like my Zoom prof partner. And you see her mother in the freaking background. It's like, should I have taken the opportunity to do like improv with her mom? It was just like, it was so bush league. So yeah, now they just reopened in person. So I'll probably <laughs> take my last class in per- my the last level in person. Yeah, someone's mom. People have like been naked in the background in Zoom. Like it's been everything. <laughs> what did you do to stay like keep afloat during the pandemic or better yet stay sane? I didn't. I actually did not hate Zoom shows. I know I should have. I did. It was it was fun because it felt like something about it felt like, all right, we're all in an even playing ground right now. So normally when I was on a Zoom show, I'd grab my camera and I'd like zoom in and stuff like that. I'd walk around like I didn't care, you know, and I made it. I made it fun. What was your question again? I'm sorry. I have I have ADD self-diagnosed. That's I'm good. Not rich. No, you're, you're, that's good. I'm glad you do. Um, how, did you, <laughs> how did you stay afloat the pandemic? Like, did you oh. do a lot of Zoom shows? Did you? I did some Zoom shows. I did some underground shows uh, in New York that were happening that, you know, oh, um, yeah, I, d- I just did whatever I could to stay sane. But, you know, for those first couple of months or whatever, I definitely just stayed home and played video games, watched TV. You know what I mean? My ex-girlfriend got me a Switch. So I was just playing Animal Crossing and just, you know, you know, reading, just trying trying to stay trying to stay sane, but also realizing how much I needed to perform and work on something, you know? So that was important for me. So it's scary. I mean, it was fun during the lockdown because it was clean in the street. There was no traffic. I could ride my motorcycle and like zoom past shit and nothing would happen to me. But 
Yeah, <laughs> oh, it was an interesting. Well, it was fun. Plus, you know, there weren't that many people out. Then the people that you've never seen in your neighborhood were out, you know. But yeah, I mean, I would totally do that again for like a month, and that's it. Not like a whole year or whatever. Yeah, for like a month for sure. But I, 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 I feel like I'd be so productive that if there was another one that happened. You know, if there's another one that happens at some point, I think I'm gonna be so productive and i'm gonna do very well with it um when it happens again hang on what's that in your background is that a real fireplace yeah i pull up a fireplace on my tv to make my uh oh my God, living room so look cool. deeper than it. it's so cool <laughs> thank you thank Anywho, you so i know that you have a show tonight to do with greg my co-host uh my old co-host uh who he's there sometimes but all the guys like greg's voice so um yeah no one really cares about me. Um, <laughs> it's your you show. How, wait, how many episodes are you deep in this? What's going on? How 27, do- but Greg was co-hosting with me. Then he's like, oh, you can just do it on your own. Then like the first thing someone asked me on a show was, well, where's Greg? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Then I'm getting messages. Greg's voice is so great from like guys, from grown men that like Greg's voice, which is good and everything. It's like, okay, yeah, hi, it's me too. You know, hey, I'm here. Whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. So what do you have coming up? And if people want to learn more about you or like follow you and see where you're going to be like the chuckle fuckers and so forth, like where can they go? (laughs) They can go to my Instagram at Chase DeRusso, C-H-A-S-E-D-U-R-O-U-S-S-C-A-U. That's how you spell it. It's it's rough to spell, but, um, yeah. The, the, yeah, that's probably how you say it for sure. Mm-hmm. That's why that's the du Russo. How do you say du Russo? Yes. So they could follow me there. Um, in May, I'm going with Operation Punchline to uh entertain the troops in Eastern Europe. So we're going oh. to Poland and Lithuania, you know, all these other different places. So um it's gonna be fun. I should research the places and and write some jokes about it for sure. Um but yeah, that's that's what I have going up next month. So and then after that, I should be back working on some stuff. I've been filming a lot of sets. Uh, I just want to make a special and I just want to release it on my own on YouTube. I see a lot of my friends releasing stuff on YouTube. So it's like, all right, I'm going to do mine. But it's going to be a little more, a um, little more um, grimy than everybody else's because it's just going to be with the phone so hopefully i inspire some other people that's like hey look you can you can make a special from your phone you can make a special from the position on a show of opening it it doesn't matter like nobody cares you know like you'll be fine you know so that's sort of what it is movie tangerine was filmed on an iphone i heard about that i gotta watch that movie i knew florida project i heard was that one the iphone movie too i don't know about that one that was great like tangerine was an iphone Got oh it. yeah, yeah. Florida Project. He's really talented. Tangerine was an iPhone and it was really grimy. Nice. It was like a trans, I was a pimp who was like pimping a transgender hooker and all this stuff. It was crazy shit. I mean, I, I gotta it. watch that. I, I just I just saw Red Rocket. That's the first movie from him I watched, and I love that movie. I thought it was so good. <laughs> I'm from Texas, so the movie felt so Texas. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was like taking place in uh, Texas, so it was cool. Well, I hope you film it and you, you sh- I, I want to go see the troops. Tell them you need a translator to go with you overseas. Yes. Yes. Good call. Good call. German. Maybe they speak German somewhere there and you need someone who speaks German. Yes. <laughs> but don't forget to look up Chase Duroso. Uh It's D-U-R-O-S-S-E-A-U. D-U-R-O-U-S-S-E-A-U. Mm-hmm. D-U-R-O-S-S-E-A-U. Like no, no, no. D-U-R-O-U, like Rousseau, but with a D-U in front of it. So D-U-R-O-U-S-S-E-A-U. Ah, Duroso. 
Look him up, even if you don't speak French, and check out his stuff. And you know, if, if it's any of the troops out there listening, we love you. And uh, you know, check out his show. I can't wait to see your special. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to read your book. I think it'll be really good. Yeah, when it comes out, right? Like when it comes it out. Is- when it comes out, you've got your your book's there. You got your book. You've said your book out loud. Just get somebody to translate it, but type it out. You're good. Oh, you mean from psycho to like normal language? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I go off on my rants. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And I'll, we'll plug all your like um, your links and so forth. And hopefully you'll be back in California doing a show sometime. Or maybe you'll be yeah, in that'd be great. Sunday. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That'd be great. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Yeah, you have a good you. one. Appreciate it. <laughs>